This is Dexter De La Paz, back to you with more Unfinished Conversations. It is not enough. We stand in the dust at the end of centuries of useless sin and endless failure. The Legion was poisoned and we sacrificed an entire world to cleanse it. We failed. We are the sons of the only Primarch to hate his own Legion. There again, we failed. We swore vengeance on the Imperium, yet we run from every battle where we don't possess overwhelming force over a crippled enemy. We fail again and again and again. Have you ever fought a battle you'd struggle to win with no hope of running away? Have any of us? Have you ever, since the Siege of Terra itself, drawn a weapon with the knowledge that you might die? Brothers, Zarl began, backing away as Talos took another step closer despite Syrian and Mercutian's best efforts. I will not see my life hoard away without meaning. Do you hear me? Do you understand me, Prince of Cowards? I want vengeance against a galaxy that hates us. I want Imperial worlds to cower when we draw near. I want the weeping of this empire's souls to reach all the way to Holy Terra, and the sound of suffering will choke the corpse god on this throne of gold. Powerful stuff. Okay, that's cool and all, fellas, but who the hell are we talking about? We are talking about the Eighth Legion, the Night Lords, the sons of the Primarch Conrad Kurtz. The Night Haunter. The Dark King. Grim dark Batman himself. <laughs> Possibly I, the most emo kid of all the emo kid primarchs. And that's saying something with Corvus Corvax out there, huh? Yeah, Corvus is definitely an emo boy. Um, I think, you know, the best word to describe Conrad Kurz is broken. Um, I think he would say that himself. And it, it kind of puts a different light to the primarchs where... Um, you know, even uh, I can't even think of a uh, another like Lorgar and his zealotness. Um, he's still kind of put together in his own personality and emotions. Where as Conrad Kurz, he's he's not that um, political kind of figurehead, right? You're not going to put Conrad on a pedestal and have him address an entire planet that was just put into compliance. And I think that's a really, really neat aspect about his character. Yeah, for being genetically engineered so that all of them had some ability to be ultra-charismatic, at least in their own way. And, you know, even mega-autist Rogel Dorn is charismatic <laughs> in his own way. Yeah. Look at his proclamation from the Bab Bastion. Heed it well, kill them all. Even he has charisma. Yeah. Even Angron has charisma. But where is Conrad's? Is he literally the, the only Primarch missing it? So I think the novel that really does the best kind of treatment of Kurtz, in my opinion, um, is Prince of Crows, the novella which follows Jago Sevatarian. Um, who is the one of the great mysteries of the universe, right? Like, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? And, and the answer, you know, depending on your perspective, and my answer would be he's a good bad guy, right? Uh, yeah, so, yeah. He's a genuine anti-hero in a exactly. setting where there are too many characters that are called anti-heroes, but they aren't. Right. They're just, you know, either gritty heroes or they're just straight-up villains, but on the correct side, right? Right. Yeah. He is a genuine anti-hero, and he is extremely compelling for that reason. For people who don't know, Jago Sevatarian, also known as Sevatar, 
is the first captain of the Night Lord's Legion. You know, in traditional Horus Heresy lore, that would make him the boss of all their Terminators running around. Though that's kind of old lore at this point, not quite how it works anymore. Yeah, I, I, I think the Night Lords are kind of an uh, enigma in the sense that, you know, their Horus Heresy counterpart is so fleshed out. And, you know, when it comes to the 40k setting, the, the best kind of snapshot we have of them as a legion is the Night Lords trilogy by ADB. Um, if you really want to dive into the culture of the Legion, uh, their inner workings, their mindset, uh, from Conrad's all the way to the, the Legion as a whole, you really have to look at the Horus Heresy, um, which I think gives a way better light to why they are the way they are in 40K. Well, and before we get too much into that, I don't know if Mike was done with Sevatar the Mystery, but that's something that I think is integral to the Night Lords. I'd like oh, yeah, to chat sure. a little bit more about that. Did you have more to add there, Mike? Uh, so Sevatar is really interesting to me in that, like, he's the first one to say death to the false emperor. Mm. But he also, you know, at great personal risk um, in the later short story, The Long Night, uh, while he's being detained on the Blood Angel's flagship, uh he breaks into the astropathic choir to to effectively kill the first chair of, of the choir um, because he had abused one of the astropaths who had been communicating with him and trying to save him, for lack of a better word. Um, I don't really think that there's anything that kind of demonstrates his character better than that incident, other than maybe, um, you know, at the end of Prince of Crows, when he says to the human crew, you know, try not to get my ship killed and, you know, basically try to stay alive, even though he knows that they're all going to certain death. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so there's this internal tension uh, in the night Lords, right. Which, which you'll see them doing, you know, terrible things for good reasons or, um, you know, the reverse, right. They're, they're taking the, the kind of evil path to doing the right thing. Right. Sure. Yeah. Now, Mike, I, the one you know big conspiracy that I'm not sure of, and I don't know if you can shed more light on. So I've heard a lot of people say that um, Jago might be connected to the Grey Knights in some way, uh, might have came back to the loyalist side of things. I haven't read anything that supports that theory, but then again, I haven't read a lot of the Night Lords um, novellas and series. Can you shine some light on that? So. I've read everything that I could find, right? That's like yeah. kind of at immediately at hand and it's all kind of smoke and mirrors, right? There's nothing that you can find that directly says, yeah, they, they took, you know, Sevatar's gene seed um, where people speculate it happened um, is either the gray Knights or the Chicharadons. But even then, um, you know, again, nothing is really fleshed out. It's all kind of, you get it. You get a piece here, a piece there, and you can kind of weave the story together. But there's enough there that's deniable where nobody can really put it together. Yeah. So the whole thing with that is simply the fact that Sevatar seems to have at least some sort of psycho capability. Mm -hmm. Now, whether that's actual psycho capability or it's just the visions that Kurz and Sanguinius, for example, have which somehow seemed to be distinct from Psyker activity. So yeah. Talos Valkorin has that, um, has that foresight, that foresight, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. warp site. 
um, Talos being the protagonist of the Night Lords trilogy. Um, and, yep. you know, throughout that novel or that series of novels, they're all speculating that effectively that, that gift, um, that Primarch's gift is also killing him, right? So the thought is, is that that foresight is a sign of psycho activity. And given that Sevatar never swore allegiance to chaos, right. just renegade status, after seeing the disaster of the Horus Heresy Civil War, he eventually repented and became one of the founding Grey Knight Grand Masters. Right. Now, the problem with that theory is that the timeline's all wrong. The mm-hmm. Siege of Terra novels have made it pretty clear that by the time Sevatar should already be on Titan training the Grey Knights, he's nowhere to be found. Yeah. The psychers that were taken the librarians that were taken to found the Grey Knights were already on Titan because Malkador had already tossed the entire moon of Titan into the warp by that point. So it was a good theory for a while, but given the way that the lore has developed through Black Library writing, I think we're at the point where we can write off Sevatar as a Grey Knight yeah, and also conclude that this foresight is also somehow not a psyker trait at all. More so like a genetic mutation type thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, like Talos talks about it. I think it was Talos in uh, the trilogy where uh, they know like before the siege he went missing, but after that, like nobody knows, right? Like some of the Night Lords think he's dead. Some of them are like, you know, he went to live on, but... I don't know if we'll ever get an answer to that mystery, but it is something that's really interesting. For sure. Now, you had mentioned the Carcharodons, the space sharks. I'm at the point now where I'm actually partial to that theory. Yeah. I have not yet read those books myself. I don't get hot and bothered for marine stories. I have a hard time reading them. But the concept of that chapter is neat, right? Right. Because Sevatar did talk about defending humanity and not liking the Imperium. Right. So there's a great impetus for him to fuck off to the outer rim of the galaxy and just patrol for aliens. Right. So between that and the chapter being described as looking similar to Night Lords without that ever being explicitly stated, it gives me hope there. In Red Tithe, uh, Red Tithe, if you haven't read it, is, is in my opinion, excellent, right? It is Night Lords versus Kacharadons on uh, a prison world, effectively, you know, fighting over kind of who gets to take the dregs, right, and and introduce them into their legion. Uh, So there's a a really interesting tension within the Night Lords, and you, you brought up this point about being them, you know, not Imperium, being traitor, not chaos, right? Um, so I want to read a passage, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna skip a lot of spoilers. So this is Eamon Cull saying, Eamon Cull being the prime or the commander of a formation of Night Lords, uh, saying it to a chaos sorcerer. I'd hoped you wouldn't lose yourself to the Daemon's will. I'd hoped you were still a true member of the Eighth, but you have expended your last chance. You had none of the Primarch's foresight. You only saw what Bargul allowed you to see. In your greed, you became its slave. You wanted to become a god. So you made yourself a monster. You served others when the Eighth Legion should should only ever serve itself. And I will not allow a demon to rule this warband through an old puppet like you. 
If you had completed the ritual with his blood, you would have made your your daemon master too powerful. The long war is over for you, Flayed Father. This is for my real father, not the false one you skinned in his place, not the murdering one whose genes you implanted in me. This is for the Salvar Dragon, the hive city you virus bombed. So that tension uh, be sort of between, you know, evil and chaos, for lack of a kind of better way of putting right. it, it, is also present a lot in the Night Lords trilogy. Um, nowhere better than, than Vandred, um, who is known as the Exalted um, in the trilogy. And mm. Vandred effectively was the former commander of First Claw which is one of the elite subformations of the Night Lords, and he had kind of allowed himself to be possessed by this demon called the Exalted. Um, and then there's a, a kind of great tug of war over the first two novels. Um, and Vandred finally wins because Vandred is a warrior, like a master of void warfare, right? Yep. Um, and his death scene, in my opinion, is one of the absolute best. Um, you know, him talking to Talos. Um, about how to get the echo of damnation, you know, out out from the trap of the Red Corsairs is just, in my opinion, some of the best pros in all of 40k. And Paz, like you, I'm not generally inclined towards Space Marines, right? Like I think that they are probably one of the least interesting parts of the Imperial power structure. Now, the Exalted, the demon that possesses Vandrin. I want to say it was a demon of Zinch, but do any of you guys remember if that was ever even actually established or not? It is I, not, I don't think. Yeah, I think just by sheer description about it, like how he has, you know, almost like a avian clawed feet that are warping his boots and, you know, the different kind of avian aspects that we see typically with demons of Zinch, that it was pretty well identified that it was um a, a zinchian demon but still yeah that's all i was getting at i seem to remember those hints but i didn't remember if it was ever explicitly stated yeah and i think the night lords do a really beautiful job of illustrating that sort of struggle between being bound to chaos slaves to chaos as they were literally called in warhammer fantasy and being mere renegades. Right. Because you see all these ultra-powerful members of the Night Lord's remnants either being possessed or consorting with the demons of the warp in some capacity. And it's clear that you can, in fact, draw power from those, but you have the loathing of the actual Long War legionaries, right. people who were there at Terra, remember the daemon hordes and loathe them right so it's this interesting struggle between yes you want the power and these are clearly self-centered individuals yeah but at the same time so let me uh read another passage here um and and this i think shows you what's different about the night lords versus the kind of other chaos legions the other enemies of the imperium uh, come about to these coordinates, stay out of the fight, keep the enemy at bay with lance strikes, and be ready to receive survivors. Do not engage. A pause. You will be remembered, Vandred. I would rather not be. He terminated the link with his bleeding claw and switched to the ship-wide vox, wondering just how many people remained alive to hear it. This is the captain. Seek succor aboard the Echo of Damnation at once. All hands. All hands. Abandoned ship. 
and it's really telling to me that, you know, Vandred, despite in the worst of his possession, he's always got the bigger picture in mind and he's always, you know, maybe not tr- necessarily trying to keep every individual alive, but he's trying to keep that collective alive. So there's this collective spirit that kind of pervades all of their actions. Um, you know, Vandred will take the crew talking back to him. Um, there's one scene where an officer pushes back and says the ship won't do it. Vandred says, yes, it will. I'm in communication with this machine spirit. And then the guy doubts him again. So Vandred rips him in half. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, again, he, he gave the guy every opportunity to back down. Right. So it's not a a pure evil. It's an implementation kind of feature. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I think that that goes, that kind of a uh, tonage we see a lot with different night lords, even with Malkarian, um, you know, having some semblance of humanity, even after 12,000 years of warp fuckery and, uh, you know, that, that chaos taint that eventually starts to reach everybody. Right. Uh, there's another Night Lords character, Zosa Hall, in uh, Steve Spurrier's, I think it's Lord of the Night, right? Um, he kind of makes it his mission to not kill this one member of the Inquisitor's retinue because, you know, they kind of have a sort of predator's respect for one another. You know, he really goes out of his way to not kill her. And in the end, he saves her from the Inquisitor. Uh, because he kind of senses that they're kindred spirits, right? Like that the the renegade streak and her helping him fight against the the chaos tainted um, night lords that Sahal inadvertently brings to the planet that he's looking, you know, for a MacGuffin on. Um, it's a really poignant scene to me in that you know it, he recognizes that he messed up and that chaos is kind of worse than him and it's worse than the Imperium, right? Um, so you can always kind of see in a lot of these Night Lord books, even when they're the primary antagonist, they kind of go out of their way to screw themselves by doing the right thing when, when the chips are down. And that, that makes them really interesting characters to me. Yeah. So, I mean, here's where the... I'm going to completely derail everything. Sorry to cut you off, Davey. But Mike just triggered one of my various Warhammer autisms. We talk about a Night Lord saving an Inquisitorial Acolyte. And if you gentlemen have read the Beckwin books, the penultimate of uh, Dan Abnett's Inquisitor stories, we see Gregor Eisenhorn working with an Alpha Legionary. So gentlemen, I have to ask, what's with the Inquisition and Chaos Marines? I mean, calling the Alpha Legion pure chaos marines, I think, is a complicated issue on its own. Well, that's a spoiler, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, yeah, the those certain radical sects of the Inquisition are always present throughout the war with, like, the Horatians who believe that, you know, a, a being like Horus could be controlled and harnessed. Um, as this pure warp entity uh, that the Imperium could use to its own. Uh, there's a few others, too, um, that are pretty radical uh, that, that eventually do get hunted down throughout the lore. 
Um, I'm not too familiar with the Beckwin trilogy. Uh, I've read the first book and then never really went further than that. It was kind of like the Ravenor trilogy for me where it's like, it, it was good, but everything else within that Eisenhorn universe, I kind of find it hard to really get myself into other than that original trilogy um, of, of course, Xenos, um, Hereticus, and, and Malleus. So I'm with you. I didn't terribly care for Ravenor, but it was a nice setup by the time you get to Beckwin to know what had happened to those characters before they're reintroduced. And I really did love Eisenhorn too, of course. So I'm just, I'm fully on board. I'm an Abnet fanboy, and I think his Inquisition writing is some of the best out there. I think, you know, it's just with the Night Lords being concerned of like them having any hand in uh, an in inquisitorial mission or something like that, any potential of them working directly with the Imperium is it's kind of against their whole ethos and why they rebelled in the first place, right? They, you know, they they feel like they've been shunned upon, and that really started with Conrad. Um, you know, when it started with him trying to warn Fulgrim of the heresy impending, everyone kind of said, "Fuck you, Conrad. We're not going to listen. You're insane," and continued to gaslight this broken dude until he finally snapped in his legion, wanting to follow the steps their gene father was like, "All right, well, fuck them then too, I guess." And, uh, and you know what? I think it's genuinely, genuinely just a lore inconsistency. But it's amazing that everyone was kind of on board with Sanguinius's foresight bullshit, but not Conrad's. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just because of the nature of who Conrad was. You know, here's this guy who's like, I'm going to go in and, and start doing these horrific things to a populace to get them under compliance. You know, it just went against every other Primarch's DNA. But as the Emperor tells Conrad in his own novel right before he dies, it's, hey, man, like, I'm not pissed at you for doing Night Lord shit. Like, that's how I made you. Um, you I know, created I, you to be my terror troopers. It's as simple right, as that. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, the, the only thing the Emperor really could not forgive him for was his betrayal. Uh, but, you know, I, I think... If Conrad might have gotten some um, support from the other Primarchs, things might have gone a little bit differently. And, but, I mean, still, even the, the Terran-born Night Lords versus the Nostromon-born Night Lords, they kind of still share, share that same similarity. Right, and they talk about it that even the uh, the Terran-born Night Lords were kind of from the prisons. Um, I forget what the exact kind of lore references uh so there was always that kind of um that kind of thing the famous quote is that you know all the other legions were warriors we were murderers first um eighth legion to our core um and while they are that i i think you know they say that but if you look at how they treat their crew they value their crew um you know how they treat their navigator how talos treats his slave Septimus, um, how even First Claw, you know, as they're losing crew, you can see that they recognize that this is bad. It's not good for them to happen, that the crew has right. value, that, you know, there is a, a value to humanity that they really never give up on, right? Um, it, it may be twisted, it may be perverted, but 
they do have that dedication, right? That makes them a far more compelling antagonist, I think, than if they were just, you know, the guys who like to wear flayed pelts, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, that's, I think they're a perfect example of a good villain, right? They're evil. <laughs> they're, they're, they're bad guys. Like they are antagonists, but they have parts of their personality that you can understand. If not like, you know, you, it's kind of hard to identify with the Night Lord, but you can see where they're coming from, at least. Right. Um, and, you know, you compare and contrast them with the Kacharadons, the way that they treat the crew on their flagship. <laughs> and it's like, well, if, you know, any of us got the opportunity to pick, like, do you want the one where... You have to avert your eyes um, where they'll cut your head off and drink your blood. But those are actually the guys on, on you know, the good team, right? Or yeah, want... exactly. <laughs> I mean, God, how Blood Angels treated their crew, especially before Sanguinius showed up, like abhorrent. All the other legions hated them for it. Yeah, well, they were still the revenants before being reunited with Sanguinius. Yeah. They were basically treated as disposable, not because they weren't valuable warriors, but because they were so degenerate. 100%. 100%. Yeah, super, super interesting. Now, um, one thing I do just want to reference, because I, I know somebody either in the comments or, or you know one of our friends is going to be like, Oh, well, you guys only like the Night Lords because uh, ADB is, you know, a chaos fanboy with daddy issues. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Davey and I might have talked about that during our Iron Warriors up, too. Yeah, yeah, we did. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, at at the end of the day, I I think it works here, right? Because, like, they do have that background. They do have that tension. um, And it is kind of consistent with the lore, right? Yeah. In as much as it might be misplaced elsewhere, I, I think here it is really, you know, it is really cool and, and it is really like there's payoff to that, right? Yeah. You know, and I just want to say that as much as we pan ADB and I think we'll continue to do so, his prose, his actual writing is genuinely top notch and it's impossible. Well, I like to say he's got the single best line in all of 40k writing just line by line right. you know in a sunless realm the sun rose at last for everything else wrong with that novel how could you not get chills reading that scene time and yeah. time again i mean he makes bolter porn good right <laughs> like he he has a way of making action-packed books beautiful in their own sense which i would never you know knack adb for i think he has a way of making those stories not you know just snooze fest right but yeah i mean i, I think that the night lords trilogy is is if not one of the the best uh chaos space marine series of all time um for me it's it's hard to find something that i would put above that and that's a testament to how the Night Lords are written overall, you know? Yeah. For sure. Well, fellas, we got approximately two and a quarter minutes left. So let's talk lightning fast aesthetics. How do we feel about the Night Lords look, their fit, their drip? 
I hate painting them. <laughs> <laughs> Those lightning bolts suck, dude. <laughs> I still haven't had the courage to try doing a lightning bolt on any of my Night Lords yet. Maybe I'll work up the courage eventually, but... Um, I think the, the coolest thing, you know, both to connect the visuals to the lore about the Night Lords is the old Nostromen tradition of the Red Gauntlets, right? Yeah, love uh, that. Which is to say that you've been marked for death, but you don't get to die yet. You still have a purpose, right? And, and that, I think, is really emblematic of kind of what they mean how they operate, who they are. Um, you can learn so much about them just by reading about that, right? Yeah, and you know what? At the risk of being the edgy boy just once in my life, I love that their heresy HQ units all have patches of flayed skin for you to paint on their armor. I mean, it's badass. Yeah. yeah. Love them. Um, I do think... The wings, especially on some of the older models, get a little corny. Yeah. Um, I, they're they're a little large for their for their bodies, <laughs> um, but I, I love the skulls. I love the flayed skin. I love the flesh. I mean, it brings in that idea of terror, right? right? That you don't even want the night lords showing up. If you hear that the night lords are coming, you want to give up, which is ultimately what they want. Yeah. I mean, I, I forget which, which Force Heresy novel it was, but, like, I'm, I'm just going to throw out a legion. Like, it was like the Imperial Fist told, you know, planet, like, hey, we're, we're, we're calling the Night Lords unless y'all, like, chill the fuck out. <laughs> I think that's so badass, you know? Okay, fellas. Closing comments before we sign off here. Lightning quick. Um, I think the the Nostromen chain glaive is one of the more ridiculous weapons in, in a universe that is just riddled with ridiculous <laughs> weapons. And I'll leave it there. Uh, Conrad's vindicated. <laughs>